Hello, Chapel Belker friends and family. I'm here at the top of the show to provide a quick disclaimer that this episode was recorded prior to the tragic events that occurred over the weekend of the 14th involving Devin Willock and Chandler LaCroix. I know I speak for all of us, myself, Nathan, and Yara, when I say that our hearts, our thoughts, and our prayers are going out to all those that are feeling lost during this time. The Georgia Athletics Association shared that Devin and Chandler were fun-loving, enthusiastic, and kind-hearted individuals who were loved by their families, their teammates, and their friends alike. And it's my hope that this show, which I consider full of fun, enthusiasm, and kindness, can honor both their legacies that they leave behind, if only in some small way. If you are hurting right now, I hope you are able to find a bit of peace and levity, even if only for a moment while listening today. And heads up, I'm going to leave just about 20 seconds of silence after this message in case you need to pause or take a moment to reflect, gather yourself, or to even just take a big breath. I hope that you are taking care of yourselves and each other out there, friends. And as Nathan always says, love, love, love. Dearest Ugga, I write to you on the gloaming dawn after our glorious victory. The hotel is quiet now. The ladies' men and envy friends of our fair regiment have retired and strains of victory songs settle fallow over the fragrant streets of Los Angeles. I wish, my dearest love, that you could have seen the battle we fought. To see the uniforms once all crisp and pressed now bloodied and torn in the excess of our most noble exertions. But I do not wish it for you, for I would spare you every moment of pain and keep you at home away from this most protracted struggle and unaware of the brutal realities that we face. I know you are strong, my little dog, and your fortitude will serve you well in the coming months of waiting. I wish you peace, and though the many and barren miles may keep our hearts in twain, know the eternal chains that we have forged between us cannot be stretched by the iniquitous horrors of our current struggle. I must go now and help in the recovery of our few fallen. Still the turf of this historic field is stained with the purple blood of our enemy. Fain would I show mercy to these brutal invaders, but I pity them in the offing, my love. I think of how they too must have written their live mascot letters. A live mascot that must now wait in their palatial estates in Fort Worth for their lovers to return as dishonored husks to the people they once were. And your mercy pray for them. Ugga, for even they deserve the blessings of our Lord, Kirby Smart. Give my love to our children, and remember me in your heart, with all the love that I possess, Nathan, or sorry, Lieutenant Colonel Nathan Lawrence. My dearest Ugga, I am eagerly grasping the first moment's leisure of the day to again say how that dog stays within me, but also with you. The thought of you is so constant within me that I find it difficult at any time to wholly fix my attention to the task I have in hand. All things beautiful suggest you. As I write, I catch the sound of distant fanfare, a choked tune, and at once the charm of your low, dulcet tone steals over me. A fair face, lip gorged with sweet tobacco, passes by mine electronic looking glass, and instantly I recall all your loveliness and thine grace. 
Yesterday, a tiny lizard fell at my feet. Because it was of the kind you love, I saved its delicate life, and now, as its anger and scorn compels my notice, it seems it begs for death. However, in its purity and freshness, it resembles nothing of you, for I know in my heart of hearts what is dead may never die again. How dull and empty the evening weekend hours are without you, and how frequently at these times do I conjure up a vision of the home that is to be, with you and our many toddler-sized trophies by our side, cheerful, helpful, and inspiring, and never wearying in their effort to make it a veritable heaven upon this earth. Send me an assurance of your love by return. Tell me all that is in your heart as you read this, and always think of me as, once, always, your devoted Justin. When were you when Horn Lizard dies? I was sat at blue sky, drinking burbs when curb rang. Frog is die. No. And you? Chapel Belkert. I'm Yara. And I'm Justin. And I'm Nathan. And today we're here to talk about the dogs and the frogs that and the frogs that are no more, actually. Talking they about did. the dogs. So <laughs> Talking about them dogs. Oh yeah. And you've obviously already noticed there's more than two of us. There are three, in fact, a townie, a band nerd, and a Gen Zer. We're here to talk about this championship game. Our experiences, our <laughs> uh, glaringly lack of quantitative segment because this played like an FCS game in some ways. <laughs> and uh, mm -hmm. we have a lot of Ask CBC to go over that we're mm -hmm. very excited about. Um, do we have any housekeeping at the top that we want to go over before we get into this game? Well, I think there's some kind of like ASPCA GoFundMe for what happened to TCU. Af you know, after <laughs> in the aftermath, like a hurricane cleanup fund kind of thing. So you can look that up on your own time, though, I think. Mm -hmm. And if you the don't want to donate to them, you can subscribe to our Patreon, where for as little as $1 a month, you can join a great community of patrons, have access to our unedited show feed, and listen to us record live. Boom! They're so Damn good at it. Read. So good at such it. Such a good ad God read. almighty. Uh, I want to say I'm going to start out our, our little qualitative review here we'll get into our experiences Nathan mentioned having a vision of this being some sort of like uh, like converging TikTok storyline like converging narratives thing <laughs> but I don't know what that means uh, oh I'll introduce and I had it. you'll introduce it okay yeah. I had a glorious vision of having all the game facts uh, like all the different you know records that uh, this game broke and I really only have two here. <laughs> and one of them is really all that matters. It's just, my God, the great margin of victory, the greatest margin of victory of, of any bowl game. Uh, and that is in the history of bowl games. Not just CFP, not BCS, like any bowl game ever. It was the greatest margin of victory in any bowl game. And it was the national championship. And so that's really, to me, the only record that matters at this moment. But I, have, I am open to having my mind changed by either of you. I have a statistical fact it's not really, I would put okay. it in the quantitative, 
section, but it's it's really more like an SFW like tag this as dog porn. Uh mm-hmm. UGA had only one fewer touchdowns than TCU had first downs. TCU had nine <laughs> touchdowns or nine first downs, and UGA had eight touchdowns. TCU only yeah, crossed the fifty yard high. line four times. And one of them they Jeez. punted the play after. I did see some other stuff like that. I feel like if we look back through the stats, we'd be able to see things like, like obviously Hot Pod had more points than the entire TCU team, but I think the first down thing is is even crazier to me. Is like they had less first downs than they had points. Um, just, <laughs> just at, at one point, absolutely. When UG was up forty-five to seven, they had scored forty-five points on forty-four plays. Oh, that's right. Jeez, it's so I stupid. Feel- bad like i i almost feel a little bit bad for our for our frog friends yeah i mean i think that this is the thing like it was a privilege to get their ass whooped the level at which they got their asses whooped yeah sure. and they earned that privilege they, yeah. they weren't like out there cruising for an ass whooping but they earned the right for the ass whooping <laughs> and i think that's a that's a good distinction hey, to a lot draw. of teams weren't even there to get their ass whooped yeah exactly real What's mm-hmm. good, Nick Saban? Why was actually side note? Why was Nick Saban there? Like, did y'all see like the pregame, <laughs> the uh, commentary, and all that? I just that saw, was crazy. Yeah. I just saw his short ass walking around the stadium. <laughs> just the shortest God. ass on the field, easily. Yeah, I did see him. I was. Con- I mean, I think that really what's going on is like people look to Nick Saban as the, you know, the, the greatest football mind of our generation. That that may very well be true. But I think that he's just sort of like paving the way for himself to just one day show up there. Kind of like um, what's his face, that character from Office Space where he just shows up enough to where he starts getting a paycheck. And, you know, that's kind of what mm. it is. Mm-hmm. But it is very odd. Somebody on our Discord just mentioned that, you know, he hates the media so much and he's he's you know, he has such precedence and tradition for not saying much of anything to the media during the football season. But outside of the football season, he's one he's one gabby little guy. He's gabbing it all up. Got plenty to say. <laughs> he, he do be talking. Nathan, yeah. do you want to tell us about uh, your vision for for whatever uh, this converging narratives story? Well, piece? I think you're you're taught you're thinking about this as converging narratives, but I want to do it more like like a like a documentary where we all talk about the moments in the game at the same time. So kind of like okay. going back and forth. So I've divided all of your I've divided all of our notes into before the game, during the game, and after the game. So I would define before the game as anything in the week today leading up to the game or game day before the game after the game can be any time between the game ending and now and so what i thought we would do is just we would all do before the game and you know just feel free to be loose with it and bring up stuff so if one of us brings up something that the other one also experienced you know we can talk about it and kind of treat it like a like an mtv behind the music about like you know uh i was thinking of it like you know when they do like a behind the music and they have all these different people talking about like why this guy OD'd or whatever and like what happened in the lead up to it or like a true crime documentary? Mm-hmm. And I that, took that, that person sort of or yeah. That was just a Michael <laughs> Jordan documentary, not a true crime, but yes, I'm yeah. with you. This yes. is absolutely true. 
Yes. But the problem, the difference between our true crime documentary and others is that we know who did it. <laughs> we, we, we know. Not only we know, like we can prove it and we're not worried oh, yeah. about it. Statistically. Yeah. We can, we can prove that the murder took, ha- took place. I would also say, you it know, took place. I have a much more like limited view of this game than you mm-hmm. do because I'm like, I just was there and I hadn't, and I couldn't do. I didn't get anything out of the like Twitter sphere really because I was just so freaking busy. So I'm I'm interested mm-hmm. to hear what the the sort of storylines before the game were because like yeah, one of the things I was thinking about, and this is sort of to back up to why I want to do it like this. It's not just because I'm trying to be like artistic or whatever. The reason I think this is an interesting way to organize it is that I don't think anybody expected the ass whipping that just happened to happen. And so I think no, it's useful. Not like that. Yeah, I think it's useful to think about how we felt before, during, and after the game, and also how sort of the media storyline evolved before, during, and after the game. Because like I don't think any of us I think most sharps thought, oh, this is like UJ is gonna win. Right. But I don't think anyone thought that it was gonna be a literally historic ass beating. So would you like to start? I think you should actually start because I think that your journey started well before the day of. It did. Yeah. So we left on Saturday morning and on the way over to the plane, my contact fell out. And I know <laughs> that's like a small thing, but I didn't wear contacts the whole time I was out there. Uh, and there's nothing. It was just a, an added stress to my day. Uh, when we mm-hmm. got out there, we went to Universal and I got to see Harry Potter World. And, like, I don't like turfs, but I do like Harry Potter fan fiction, so that was cool. I had some butter beer with whiskey in it. Uh, and then I got on Ooh. this, like, Harry Potter ride and sat in line for, like, an hour and a half. And then when I got there, they told me I was too tall. They, like, screened me out because I was too tall. Because I couldn't sit in the seat and the light wouldn't turn on or something. <laughs> and I feel like this is fat phobia. But anyway... Uh, I was like, if I'm too fat, just say I'm too fat. And they're like, no, you're too tall. And I'm like, I don't believe that. Say that's it to my why. face. Just say <laughs> say it to my face. But also, don't let me sit in a line for an hour and a half. Universal. Just have like that the sucks. little thing that you sit in outside, so I don't have to embarrass myself. Anyway, that was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Let's see. I we went through a Universal tour back lot tour like at the end of the at. at the end of the day or whatever and that was kind of cool it got kind of cold um it was really pretty universal studios out there is just like you know the kind of theme park that you're thinking about but it's on the like the side of a mountain and it's beautiful and it's like there are different areas of it that are divided between the different levels of the mountain which is kind of cool uh and so like the view at night is gorgeous you can see like all of la and then uh let's see so the next day we got up and went and did a practice and it was, it was cool. It was at West LA community college. And uh, that night we kind of had the night off and we sort of walked around and did the downtown LA thing a little bit. Uh, I was so tired that I really, I, I have to admit that I was like quite the old man about it. You know what I mean? Like went out to <laughs> dinner and then came home. Let's see. Uh, have, okay. Have you reached the point yet in your, uh, in your, what is your your title for your role that you do with the Red Coast? I'm just a staff member. Okay. Have you reached a point in your your staff member journey where you've had to say out loud or at least thought to yourself that this is a young man's game? 
Um, yes and no. I mean, there <laughs> there are people on the staff that are older than me, like quite a few of them. Sure. But it's I, a mindset, though, you know? It, yeah. And I guess I just, like, was stressed. It was really more, like, stress-related stuff. The reason that I didn't want to really party or anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There was just a lot going on. A lot of moving parts. Uh, let's see. So, oh, we got some cool, like, college football playoff swag. It is interesting, like the merchandising at the CFP, and I noticed this at Peach Bowl as well. There's like generic CFP merchandise, and then there's generic like your team made it to this game merchandise, which is a completely separate category of thing from your team won this game merchandise. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. Uh, And then, let's see, the day of the game, oh, I went up, I got up and I went to this place called Marie's Coffee and deli and it was like this little coffee shop like new york style deli kind of counter deal uh but it was mm-hmm. run by uh this vietnamese family i'm like they said they were vietnamese i'm not being incredibly racist but anyway <laughs> i went there at like 8 a.m because the reviews were good and i got uh, a very strong coffee and a bon mi which is like a vietnamese like sandwich it's amazing it's not really a breakfast food but it was like the best bon mi i've ever had it's a great way to start the day. Uh, let's see. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the night before the game, I had a, a drink with dinner. And then I got home and remembered I'd forgotten to take my SSRI. But then I also forgot mm-hmm. that if you take SSRIs after you have a drink, you will just fall asleep. And then oh, yeah. I did. That was also why I was an old man. Everybody was down at like, the, there was this really nice bar attached to the hotel and everybody was down there. And at like 11, I was like, like couch locked Peace. in this seat. I was like, guys, I got to go. I'm really tired. And they're like, dude, it's like only 11. And I was like, I'm yeah, I just took my, I just took my Selexa gang. Like I can't, <laughs> I'm, I'm get, getting hit hard by the serotonin. Anyway, I woke up incredibly well rested. Uh, let's see day of the game. Oh, so we, had, the day before the game, we went and took the stuff over the stadium. It's that SoFi stadium is amazing. It is, I think in some ways a monument to, you know, human hubris and, commercial as commercialization but it is a beautiful stadium and it is like truly like a like a monument to humanity's ingenuity in many ways like you walk in at like basically street level and there's like a whole stadium beneath you it's like dug into the ground because it's right under lax's like approach pattern so it can only be so high and also it is literally on top of a fault line so it can only be built up so high because of like you know earthquakes um, and it looks like a regular stadium that's been like, like built into the ground, like, but on top of it is just this giant freaking like, like park p- pavilion. It's very weird. Like the two don't touch. Hmm. They are like not integrated in any way. There's not like a door to the outside layer. You just kind of like walk under it. Like it's a big, interesting, like picnic pavilion or something. And then the stadium is just under it. Like. God was setting up some kind of play place for his kid in a picnic pavilion. Um, it's very weird, but I will say the people at that stadium, we've had a lot of wild logistical experiences at different stadiums, NFL stadiums over, over the years. And that by far the best treatment that we've gotten as a band. It is nice. They had a person who was just like following us around, like telling us how to do stuff and yelling at people for us. They sent us an athletic trainer who like worked for the Chargers and the the Rams as like our medical staff to help our medical staff with stuff. Like they were really cool. We had a kid get sick just before pregame 
and they took this kid into like the ref's uh, medical area where they see to a ref if they're injured or whatever. So anyway, mm. very good response from them. So yeah, and that got me all the way up to the game, at which point I was already just like, oh my god, this has been so much work. We really better win this game. <laughs> all right. What was y'all's uh, before the game? I remember, so I had a moment where I hopped on a Zoom call with my executive committee where I, I went into this meeting and I almost, so this is how, I'll illustrate just sort of how chill I was going up to this game. I went to this meeting on Monday afternoon wearing green and all the people in my executive committee were all just super decked out and they're <laughs> red and black. And I was like, oh, today is the day. I haven't been thinking much about it. It's just today. It's finally here. And now I'm embarrassed. Um. Uh, but after that, I kind of got in the mindset and I, I had many moments where people would ask, like, well, you know, people will come up to me and they know about the podcast. So they'll ask me questions like, well, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think, you know, this is going to happen? What do you think we'll see in this way? Yada, yada. And I just remember saying all day to people like, oh, I think we're I think we're OK. Like, I think truly we're going to whoop their asses. Like, I didn't I will say I did not know it was going to happen like this. I just felt like we were going to handle this fine. But I did not think we were going to <laughs> destroy them. <laughs> um, after that, went to Hilo, had a boatload of fried cheese and a couple of hot dogs. Um, fun and probably TMI, but uh, the previous week I had a calzone, which led to some intestinal distress, which led to my going to the doctor. And something about getting a little bit older is that things like this happen where you go to the doctor and you say, this is wrong with me. And they say, let's draw some blood. And they take up what the, my doctor called a belly lab, which I thought was very funny, um, calling it a belly lab. This grown man who has an, he's an MD and he called it a belly lab. And I thought that was funny. And I said, take me to the belly lab, doc. And he did not know it was a joke. So uh, I went to the belly lab. But all that to say, I ate all this fried cheese and hot dogs on Monday because he said, you need to go do a test. And I said, what kind of test? And he said, you need to test your gallbladder. And I was like, doc, I don't even know where my gallbladder is. And he said, no, 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 not like that, Justin. You have to eat a bunch of fat and then see what happens. And if that happens, then you probably got a shitty gallbladder. And so uh, that's exactly what happened. I had a great time eating the fried cheese. Day after was not as great of a time. Um, I apparently have gallstones. So... I'm telling the world <laughs> on this podcast. I'm so sorry. What do you, is there <laughs> anything you can do about that? You can get them removed if you want, but it's not really a thing. Like it's a very invasive surgery apparently, but it's just one of those things where it's like, if you're going to eat fatty foods, just know you're going to have a bad time. But I think the alternative was, I was worried I had IBS. So I don't have IBS y'all. Good news. Um, and during the game, after all that fried cheese and hot dogs, I was absolutely chilling the whole time eating fresh in the neighborhood. Uh, that leads me up to the game. So what about you, Yara? That was kind of wild. Okay, I know. So... I didn't think I was going to say all that. It wasn't even in the notes. Word? Uh, hold on. Before, um... before you start, can I, tell, can I tell another TMI story just to... I want to even out the embarrassment. I'm not embarrassed. Okay. Let's just say... No, it. Let's uh, just be, I want to even yeah, out the here. TMI. Okay? Okay. And I'm trying to talk about this without being too blue. My doctor once told me... <laughs> That I would be a good candidate for pe for fecal transplant, but not as like the receiver, but as the giver, because <laughs> I have like apparently a very good intestinal system. <laughs> so my doctor was like, "I don't even know what that means." You don't know what fecal transplants are? 
I like I know a, what they are in concept, but I have no yeah, reason. Like, I don't yeah, understand why you so would ever do it. It's like a it's a thing when you have IBS. Sometimes they take the poop out of another person and put it in your poop so that your gut bacteria is better. And I kind of I like it. famously because I guess part of the reason <laughs> I'm such a chubber is that like I just don't get sick to my stomach ever about anything. And I can I eat like a caveman sometimes, like not like in terms of the health that of what I eat, but in terms of like the quality of the food that I put in my body hygienically is sometimes very low. And I just like never get like my this machine just like goes through it all. I apparently I, I've been told that I have very good gut bacteria, which is the weirdest compliment you, I've ever received. Yeah, I was like, thanks. It's either that or your doc has like a real weird kink that they were uh, sort of revealing to you in that moment. They're like, wow, you have really great shit. You got like, wow, the best shit I've ever seen. Excellent. Um, So Monday was my first day of school. It was my very last first day of classes like ever until I start grad school. So that was a little wild. Like I am 20. I should not be doing this. But, um, so I went to my classes. I only had one class for the day and it was with my favorite professor from last year. I love you, Dr. Huggins. If you listen to this, I don't think she listens to this, but, um, she's super cool. And then I just shit posted on Twitter for the whole day. (laughs) I just, I just kept cranking them out. It was so much fun. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my friend Anna picked me up and, we did our makeup and stuff and hypothetically pre-gamed a little bit and our friend picked us up and we went to like her friend's house. So Anna's friend's friend's house, which is like close to downtown. And then we chilled out there for a little bit until it was time to walk downtown. Um, And I paid my tuition on the way there because I kind of <laughs> forgot to do that. Like hmm. it was... It was a little wild. Well, I didn't pay it. I My dad sent me the money to pay it. Shout out, dad. But did you like bring um, it in a big check? Like a giant check? Oh, no. It was just in my, it was just in my check, like my Aww. bank account. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. That makes sense. They don't, they, I don't think UGA accepts checks and stuff anymore. Mm. Like since COVID. But um, I attempted, I hypothetically attempted to get into many places downtown, but like everywhere had a really expensive cover. Hmm. And the day that I pay and the day that me, Yara, pays entry for a bar is the day that I die. Literally, mm-hmm. absolutely not. I refuse. Um, so then I got into Roadhouse because that was the only place that was like chill. And that takes me up to the game, I think. Yeah. I have a question, Yara. Okay. Uh huh. How likely is it? Let me see if I can phrase this in the generic sense. How likely is it that a person with a female body type in Athens can get around a cover by, like, batting their eyelashes? Oh, I do it all the time. Okay. That's what I was suspecting. <laughs> I did but, hear and I, that I Yara... That. <laughs> one of my favorite things that happened is I did hear that Yara tried to tell one of the bouncers that they could come onto the podcast to get them to, to let them inside. <laughs> did they I let did them in? That? <laughs> I think did that it work? may have been Saki Bar. I don't know. 
Oh my god, yes! Okay. You name okay, dropped the pause. podcast at Saki Bar? <laughs> Did it work? I guess so. We ended up in Sake Mama. Shout out Sake Mama, by the way. That is my favorite bar in Athens. And I feel like that says a lot about me, but it's all good things. The bouncer at Sake Mama. Okay. Oh my God. My best friend in the world. Okay. I He has been my ride or die. I don't know his name. I've, I, I don't know this man's name, but he, that man is my ride or die. Okay. Even if there's a cover at Sake Mama. Me and my friends, we always get into it's Dathan. Oh, I'm learning lore today. Dathan's a made up um, name. Yeah, that's not real. But shout out, shout out, Dathan, if you listen to this. I love you so much, and you're my very best friend in the world. And I guess Thank you can you come so on much the podcast. For being cool. Yeah, <laughs> he can come to CBCAD. Absolutely, after It'll death, be- because we's dead. <laughs> <clears throat> yes. Okay. Game time. Do we game talk time. about the game What happened now? pre-game, Nathan? Were there any, like, red coat mm. things that happened before the kickoff? Or yeah, so what we did that look like? We did pre-game, and it was... I saw Maria Taylor, and... Mm-hmm. I, okay, so we first, know. before I talk about the story that I really want to tell, I saw Lincoln Riley, and uh, he's just such a weird-looking guy. Like, I guess he's, like, conventionally handsome or something. But he has, like, one of this, and, like, God knows that I shouldn't be the first person to cast stones about body types. But <laughs> he has the, like, posture of a guy who kind of looks like he's, like, like doing this all the time. Like, he's kind of, like, okay. got a thumb head from the side. And so that was weird. Oh. But he, uh, so I also saw, like, the whole, the whole broadcast crew. I saw Pat McAfee, who was, like, weirdly jacked. Pat okay. McAfee is. He like ran past me and I felt like the wind of his passing like he was a semi truck. Uh, let's see. And then I got on the field and we were doing pregame and then I saw Maria Taylor and like she is so I'm trying to f- find a way to talk about this girl without being re- disrespectful. Trying to find like, the words. <laughs> yeah. So to describe this girl without being disrespectful. Maria Taylor oh. is just like gorgeous she's just so beautiful and she has such a like amazing charismatic presence even when she's not talking to you which she was not talking to me and i was like hey marie taylor and she's like hey and so we got sort of trapped in the redcoats together walking out of pregame and the amount of time that i was like glancing out her out of the side of my eye because she's so beautiful like I think I was I was glad that we like had to go in different directions because I was like I'm going to start upsetting this person because she is she is beautiful and I can't stop looking at her um, and really that I like I could, wasn't even thinking about the game it actually was really good for my anxiety my pregame anxiety was like super low low key because I was like well I saw, I mean we could lose now you know it would have been fine because I got to see Maria Taylor in person let's see. Uh, during are we going to go into during the game? Is this, we're going to we're going to start. Yes, this? it's time. So I will. I have the least to say. I think about during the game really, because okay, all of, <laughs> I feel like all of my things during the game have to do with just be bopping around Athens. After I have a note here that just says I saw the tenacity with which Georgia showed up, and I was immediately calmed. It mm-hmm. was fine. Like Georgia showed up 
with an offense like I've never seen them show up with before. Like they were moving at a speed that was unreal. They were hitting harder than they ever should or be allowed mm-hmm. to do. Um, mm-hmm. They were moving the ball. They were using, they were calling plays that we've never even seen. Um, it, yeah, it was, it was wild. I, uh, I, at some point in the game, I went further into downtown, started a high low, went further into downtown, uh, met up with local Athens celebrity, Ben Pulowski, hung out a blue sky with him for a minute. Um, had several bottom shelf whiskey gingers at the blue sky. Um, I did have a young woman at the bar, uh, touch my butt and I told her, stop touching my butt. <laughs> she told me after she touched it again and like slapped it a few times, jokingly, she told me that she was horny for the dogs. Um, uh, and I cry. Uh, I remember honestly so little of the second half just because I chose to instead catch up with Ben and watch a little bit every once in a while. But, um, after the game, I did go back, you know, the next day and watch all the replays and the highlights and things. And so can I, can I make one, can I make one butt related story? Can I tell a butt related story? Yes. We went to dinner and this is before the game. I forgot about this. And then it became like a joke among me between me and one of the other staff members. I went to dinner before the game and I just, just like we were standing there in the out out at entry area waiting to be seated and I just like did the thing where I saw that my shoe was like needed to be tied and I just like have long enough legs that I don't need to crouch to tie my shoes I can just sort of like bend in half and do it which looks weird and I, but I forget that it looks weird and then I do it in public and people are like what the hell but I did that right as someone tried to come into the door behind me and the guy just like bounced off of my ass and uh <laughs> And then Kylan, who was one of the other staff, staff members, was like, "Nathan, you got to get your dump truck ass out of the, out of the way, dude. People can't, people can't work in this construction zone with your dump truck driving around." And then it happened again <laughs> at the game. Guy just like walked past me while I was standing there, and there was like a, a walkway behind me, and he bounced off my ass. My ass is not that big. I don't know how these people keep finding it. Anyway. I'm sorry. It's the badonkadonk. I do not have a badonkadonk. I, I, I don't want to like, I don't want to represent that to the world and then for people to see me in person and be disappointed. Oh, no. Anyway. So, carry on. Anything else happened during the game, Justin? Um, I will save my like during the game stuff for the after the game segment just because the during the game things I think they become more quantitative or at least actual, you know, a review and commentary of the game when we get there. Um, so Yara hit us with, with your points. What else happened? Oh, oh boy. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> so we kind of bar hopped like everywhere and it was a lot of fun. Um, at, at some point I just stopped watching the game because like we just kept scoring and I mean, yay. But also, it got kind of boring. So, I just kind of enjoyed the vibes of downtown. Um, at one point, I think I photoshopped a water bill <laughs> to get into a bar, which was crazy. I Legal did that ID. in like under. Yeah, that was not a legal ID. No. I don't know. I don't know how I managed to do that. I, I did back, that in like two minutes. Back up. <laughs> you can present a water bill as proof of ID. I think this loops back to your previous question, Nathan, of having a feminine body type. What does that get you? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, cool. 
I have a question for both of you now that you've told your your sort of during the game stuff. Do you did you guys have a moment where you were like, because y'all both kind of stopped watching as much? Did you have a particular moment during uh, at, of the game when you were like, you know what? I'm I, I think we're good here. This is like there's no uh-huh. drama left for me. What was your moment, Justin? Yeah, twenty four seven. Okay, can you remember like yep. a specific play that you were like, no, oh, okay, this is oh not- yeah. It was the 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 <clears throat> I think that was that one the set, the Stetson Bennett run where no 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 it was it was two points there was one point where I saw it and I was like one point where I saw it and I was like oh this is going well and that was the the one where Nathan you might not know this unless you've watched it uh, from the TV broadcast but the ball was fake handed off to our running back in that play and then Stetson ran it and the cameraman saw. Or just followed the running back and Stetson like snuck around on the left hand side. Mm. And uh I don't know if he ran it in that one or not, but um that was a pretty fantastic moment. And that was the one where I was like, oh, we're we're gonna win this game. <laughs> like nobody yeah. has any idea what's going on. And yeah, yeah that one that, that's where I felt really good about things. Yara, what was your moment? Um when Pentatonics sang the national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's bisexual everyone's bisexual panic artist pentatonics listen i'm not even that big into pentatonics but they like they came for the national anthem and they boots boots the house down yeah they did such a good job girl queen pussy so boss etc so good i would <laughs> say was, oh my god i would say that pentatonics is like if the cast of 1999's the mummy became an acapella group like everyone everyone's like oh i might like women or oh i might like men is either pentatonics or the the mummy i feel yep. like i still don't know what the mummy is yara what? yara yara it's so gay dude. <laughs> like it is it is it is a piece of of, of gay culture or at least a bi-culture it yeah it, it's it, lore. It, it's just it the mummy 1999's the mummy just has it is just a movie of only attractive people. It's like if you made mm-hmm. a movie oh, yeah. where you only casted like cartoonishly attractive people. Interesting. I was about to say, now and I they're have all to watch wet. It. But they're all wet all the <laughs> time. Realize... They're, they're all like fist fighting <clears throat> and like swinging rivers <laughs> and like having really like intense intimate conversations about like ancient hieroglyphic texts that like yeah. like lead to almost kissing. Mhm. We is it like exact porn with plot? No, it's like well, it's plot. like there's it's a actually very fun action movie, but it does. There are moments where where you're like, are they gonna fuck on screen? Because everyone's chemistry is just like super good, and it has like Excellent. a type okay. for everybody. There's like a brooding bad boy, and there's like a big like square jawed American guy, and then there's oh, what's her name? What's the name of the of the main girl from the Mummy? Uh, Rachel Vice. Rachel Vice. Yeah, she's so beautiful, and then like. Like I don't know, I just even Anaximenes, uh, the even like the mummy's love interest who comes back as an undead mum lady, she's also super beautiful. It is so good, High, highly recommended. So we're gonna do an off-season mummy review episode, I guess is what yeah. we're saying. We got you got to watch the mummy. Noted. Yeah, we're gonna watch it together. Okay. We'll review it. It'll be great. Seeing Rachel Vice as like Excellent. the librarian in the mummy, like the brunette librarian who's like. 
kind of futzy and like super particular and yelling at people all the time was like, oh, okay, well now I know I'm going to run after this for the rest of my life. That's correct. So, okay. I guess that kind of gets us to uh, one thing I would like to talk about is is during the game, Nathan. Yeah. Your halftime, if there was anything, and mm-hmm. also how Krypton worked and the curtain calls. Like people are talking about all these things during the game, yeah. and you had a first, so you know, I, firsthand look at all of it. I, okay, so I will say one thing before that: the moment I knew we were going to win was when we went, when we kicked the field goal, when we were up seven nothing, and we kicked a field goal to go up ten nothing. I think. That was when I was like, oh, mm-hmm. we're going to win. Because, like, we're not worried we're about good. them stopping us. Like, if, if, if we have fourth and five at the 10 and we kick a field goal, it either means that we're calling very conservatively, which we hadn't been, or it means, like, we are just mm-hmm. not concerned about when we're going to get the ball back because we know we're going to score. Let's see. Yeah. I, I also... Okay, so halftime went really well because we had really good support from the stadium. So we got everybody out there. We got everything set up. Uh, Connor the guitar player for our psychedelia show played a really good version of the battle and solo all at Jimi Hendrix. He did a really good job. I thought it was probably the best run that they've had all year. The red coats. It was just really loud, really present, really like joyous. It, it was, it was in many ways, I think just like a really, I think this is probably true for everyone as UGA fans, but I think it was really true for the red coats. It was just like a really joyous moment in a time that was very stressful, right? The trip was stressful. Like, mm-hmm. and that's nobody's fault. That's just like the nature of the thing that you do, right? Red coat trips can be very stressful. And so having this moment where it was like, we just were beating the hell out of them. And we were in, we, like the whole band was in the tunnel under the stadium when we scored the last two times before the half. And so like everybody got out there and like the energy was really good and they sounded really good. Uh, let's see. I thought that it was interesting. The like, there when you play in collegiate band, there's a certain amount of just like, hey, at the halftime show, people are going to leave sometimes, and i I think it's I think it's admirable the way there is a certain chunk of UGA's fan base that doesn't leave and just stays and like watches the show, and it's not like the majority or anything, but I think it's cool. Like there, there's a there's a there's a portion of this fan base. That like really supports the Redcoats, and I dig it. Uh, let's see. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So the fourth quarter thing. So just before the game, I found out this, and I don't know if this was like something that people knew or like how how it worked, but I think it was pretty late in in the process. We found out that they were doing a salute to America between the third and fourth uh, quarter. Now, okay. You know, the big thing about that is, like, you can ask people to push off some car commercial so you can play Crypcon, right? But you can't properly say, like, hey, can you stop this salute to troops in, you know, Afghanistan or whatever so we can play our fourth quarter song? So we found that out before the game, or maybe, like, very early before the game, like, pregame, before we went out for pregame. And I know that, I, I think the reason we, I think I know that we found out because I'm pretty sure I saw one of our media people, like, making a graphic to send out about it that we were basically mm-hmm. going to play during that first media timeout. So as for the curtain calls, okay, so I don't I don't know what I think Kirby knew. And I don't I'm not sure that he knew, but I think he knew that we were going to play it during the first media timeout. Because he, because he called the timeout to do the curtain call for Stetson, right? And like mm-hmm. immediately everybody looked up at the band on the sideline. So like they knew we were going to play Krypton. And so I guess he called it first 
Stetson and for us. And it was just like a really beautiful moment because like a lot of the TCVU fans were leaving and there was a huge Georgia presence. And they did the light up Sanford thing. And like then Stetson comes out and he does his curtain call and everybody just loses their mind and everyone's crying. And it's like super emotional. And then like two plays later, he did the exact same thing with the defense. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just like really people keep saying like, oh, these are the golden days. Enjoy them while they last, blah, blah, blah. And I get it. Like there's a certain element when the, you have a lot of success of like memento mori, memento mori or whatever. And and that's for real. And you should try to appreciate the moments as they happen. But like to me, I care less about it being the glory days. And in the, the curtain call moment, I thought brought this into sharp relief. And I care more about just like, I feel I, you know, you you do you work hard at something, and you like start to like form a kinship with people who also work hard at it. And God knows that it's not like that. UJ football team is under resourced, or that they're not famous already. But I thought it was cool that like the actual kids had that moment, right? The red coats yeah. and the team and the cheerleaders like had this moment that was like just like a very special thing to be there for. And it was a boring game in many ways, but like I'm gonna rewatch it and probably get really emotional about it because like it just felt like a culmination of a lot of hard work. And like I know how much hard work goes into the Redcoat side, and I know just as much and probably more goes into the football side for students, you know, who take 13 hours of classes or whatever. So. I, I don't know. It's just like really special. I thought the curtain call was a really special moment. I thought like the celebration of the field, the celebration of the stand, it was just like a really cool, like core memory unlocked kind of thing for me. Like I, it was, it's cool to be a part of something where you see people work their asses off and get what they deserve for it. Yeah. And then like, and, and I'm, I mean, honestly, just to like, and I'm not going to act like I was totally engaged with all of this. Like in the third quarter, one of uh, Abigail, who works with the drum majors and is on staff, asked me to go buy a. They had these little like CFP mascots. The CFP mascot is a pylon, like the orange mm-hmm. pylon, and they had these little <laughs> plushies, like mascot plushies. And one of the drum majors really wanted one, and I was relaxed enough during the national championship that I spent like twenty minutes walking all the way around the stadium to go to a merch store to buy her a, a pylon plushie. I mean, to be fair, we were up like. 52 to nothing or to seven at that point so i you know and i was watching it as i walked but still all right after the game what was the and this is where i feel like i'm gonna go first because i have the least Mm -hmm. amount to say and i want to hear y'all's athens post-game experiences i want i want you to set a scene for me okay because after the game for me was pretty much like joy taking a lot of pictures the confetti comes down everyone's crying we're all high-fiving i went live on instagram and then it was like, okay, we have to go load the semi and it's pouring. Now, of course, I didn't care. Yeah. I was like, I was like making my way downtown, you know, rain. <laughs> and, but it was, it was pouring. And then like, you know, we, we got home or whatever, but I, or we got back to the hotel and, you know, went down to the bar and had a celebratory drink. And it was like a really nice, like we were all in the bar. Like the whole staff was in this like real classy bar and we were all having a beer and we were all looking around and it was very much like the scene at the end of a heist movie where they're all like, it was like the end of oceans 11 where all the different people are in this bar having a drink with each other as though they don't know each other. And you get like the cool music and it flashes to them as they like walk out of the bar and they move on with their, their lives. And we get to see like the epilogue. It was a very cool moment, but how was y'all's, how was y'all's? Really cool? 
It's giving like Avengers sh- uh, shawarma. Yes, yes, it was very Avengers shawarma. Yes, absolutely. It was, <laughs> it was like everybody was having a beer and everyone's talking and everyone's like super relaxed and there's like you know maybe thirty people in this bar and most of them are redcoat staff and everybody's talking and laughing and cutting up and I was just like I don't think I've ever seen all of these people this relaxed because almost every time I see them we're like working you know and it was just. It, mm-hmm. it was very much a Vendor Shwarma, or it was like, uh, you know, the scene in like, I, I don't know if you guys have seen like Ocean's 8 or whatever, where all the girls are like having their like fancy drink with the jewels they've stolen or whatever. It was very much that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all uh, right. I'll, I'll go first and then let and hand it over to Yara because Yara really got to y- Yara's experience, I feel, goes on and on past yeah. my. And so. Uh, I actually, so I had a moment near the fourth quarter where I was like, you know what? I've been here. This isn't my party this year. Because I also had a moment earlier in the night where I saw that they had closed off a lot of downtown in anticipation of the the win. And so there were like a lot of police officers kind of roaming around in the empty streets and just kind of keeping an eye on things. Um, because I feel like this year's sort of like they were trying to make sure that this year's sort of uh, property destruction was not the same as last year's. Um, I do not think they succeeded just based on what I have heard um, happened downtown. It is way worse, in fact. Um, and I have a lot of feelings about that that I won't get too deep into uh, because we have a member of Gen Z here on the show today. <laughs> and I will not blame Gen Z for all the destruction. I will name no, per- no person in this. But um, anyway... Went home, came back out to come meet up with Yara uh, for a short while to kind of see the madness, um, thinking that, you know, I I, I, I kind of like peeked at everything and I was like, no, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> um, but just wanted to kind of see what was going on and understand sort of what, you know, what it was. But um, I don't think anything can top last year's experience for me. Um and so I was happy to not necessarily like be part of the craziness because I already mm-hmm. had a craziness, you know. Well, I didn't think uh, I, I thought we were going to lose last year uh-huh. and this year I thought we were going to win. So it was like a really cool like coronation of like, hey, we're mm-hmm. the like, you know, I don't know. We're the we're like the new dynasty. But it wasn't like, oh, my God, did we just win? What the f- is happening? Like the way that last year yeah. was. Yeah, that's how last year felt as well. I I uh, I did see the terrible squiggly art came down. Some uh, people were climbing on it, tearing it apart, and it finally came down. Um, I'm interested to see how they handle it now, because uh, it was very expensive, which is why everybody was very upset about it. And now I wonder if they're just going to throw it in the trash, or they're going to spend more of our money and try to put it back up. Uh, if you're not aware of what the squiggly art is, folks, just Google Athens, Georgia frequency, I think is what it was called, and witness the just worst $60,000 downtown art you've ever seen. <laughs> and if yeah. you want to talk also, about like, T-Splast, yeah. I'll tell you all about it and why it happened, but it still does not make it any better. I don't know if this was the artist's intention, but it also is like very anti-homeless. It's like giving anti-homeless architecture. It, it was and in very specific places, yeah. Yeah, didn't mm-hmm. like that. It, also, it looks like a bike I did not rack. participate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It did I like did not participate rack. in any property destruction. I know you did. Which didn't. is like, pow, boom. <laughs> we can have fun without destroying citizen. property. 
Yeah. Um, uh, so tell us your story. P- Yara, then. I, pick us, pick us oh up God. from there. Oh, no. Um, all right, where do we start? Okay, so I got, we got caught in, like, a really big crowd in the middle of downtown. It was, like, like everybody was shoulder to shoulder and moving and stuff. And eventually, I just kind of gave up on trying to push my way through because I am tiny. Mm-hmm. So I pretended that my – I may be tiny, but I'm very good at acting. So I pretended <laughs> that my arm was broken so I could skip the line at my favorite bar. And it worked. So then we were there. Huh, I, and huh, like I said, I photoshopped. Don't, 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 stop, 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 stop. Don't gloss over that one. Stop, stop. Uh, so the people at the bar <laughs> thought this girl has a – a broken arm and ergo we must let her into this crowded bar yeah what you got it i look i how <laughs> i don't know it's downtown Athens. you just said yeah. you said oh i broke my arm and they were like oh no honey this is where people <laughs> with broken arms go come on in <laughs> we put them what all the in the pile much. what the hell man <laughs> Shout out Saki Mama. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a, yeah. I mean, I gave off a very good performance. I was like crying. My my hidden talent, I can cry in command. No, so really. I just. Hold on. Oh no, my arm. Stop, stop. I get it. I believe you sold it, right? <laughs> I just don't get, like, I am a bouncer. Presumably, I'm a little buzzed. And some beautiful young girl comes up to me and goes, my arm is broken. And then my reaction is not, well, you should go to a hospital, madam. My reaction is instead, yes, come into sake, mama, because we have what you need. You need a drink. You need a drink. Well, I, you know what? You're right. I, I suppose that anyone with a broken arm could probably use a sake bomb. Real. Real. real talk, real talk. Um, what else did I do after I after my arm was magically healed by the power of the dogs? I <laughs> wanted dog to go to. <laughs> yep. I yeah. Um. Yeah. After that happened, I wanted to go to a different bar. So then I was then we went to church and to break um, your leg for church. Or? Also, <laughs> no, even better. So, um. We were not able to get into church due to the fact that one of us did not have an uh, an ID to present. So I, in under two minutes, in front of the bouncer, photoshopped a water bill so we could get in, and mm-hmm. then it worked. I still um, don't understand what was the what was the conversation. So you, I don't know, you I'm were talking one to, ask. to your friend, who, <laughs> like, who is, I believe, a member uh-huh. of this your new friend, who I think you met yes. through Discord, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. Okay, yeah. okay, I'm with you. And um, and they said, "Oh man, I don't have my ID." And then you said, and "You said, <laughs> okay, here's here's a water bill." <laughs> wait, wait, but no, 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 no. Go back still. Go back yeah, even no, further. No, like, it how not, did you get it does to not that follow. one? Yeah. Have you done this before? This... No. Okay, so how did you convince I didn't know that- the bouncer to accept the water bill is what I want to know. I don't know. You just I said just, this is a water bill? It just happened. Yeah, <laughs> this is a water bill. 
I, and they said, I, oh, <laughs> you got it. Okay. I don't, I, I don't know how to talk about this in a way that doesn't objectify you, Yara. But we're... <laughs> Were, was objectification part of this exchange of goods and services? I don't know. I wasn't... I mean, I looked really hot. Like, my yeah. fit was really nice. Yeah, you, so you're like, both objectively beautiful. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, real. So, oh, like, maybe he, that helps, he but He asked also, for a water bill, mm, is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Then that's what happened. You have to remember, I was also hypothetically under the influence of alcohol, so I don't... Mm, But your Photoshop bills, your your Photoshop skills were still there. Also, back up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I respect that. (laughs) Did you do it on, like, your actual, like, Adobe app, or did you just, like, make a Snapchat, like, capture or whatever? No, I I used PixArt. Okay. (laughs) Adobe is for losers who want to pay a million dollars a year. Okay. And I'm a college student. Back up. Damn. The person that you are with, who I don't wish to dox, is full disclosure an adult and presumably a water bi- and presumably has a water bill. So I'm just confused about why this person didn't just say, "Well, yes, let me just pull up my many of the emails that have been sent to me by the Athens Clark County Water Department." Oh, they lost their phone. Okay, got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Oh yeah, got that it. happened too. Okay. Uh-huh. That was crazy. Wow, you just like had was... a white collar crime spree in downtown Athens, <laughs> but also I like I I didn't destroy property. Yeah, that's, that's I why I just... said white collar. You just like oh defrauded a couple of bars, which is fine. Yeah, it that's felt like that you. sometimes. That's, yeah, on, that's them. on them. Yeah, you were like a white hat hacker. Yeah, I caught them slipping. Security. Yeah, yeah. And then you went to, the, like, you went to the bartender afterward and said, "Look, you need my protection." Yeah, because I just <laughs> look got what out. I was able to do with my skills. I just got into your safe with a phone and Pixart. Yeah, unstoppable. Real. Like Danny, what's Ocean. it worth to you? What's it worth to you? I'm kind of just a menace to society, and specifically downtown Athens. So we'll, I don't know how any of that happened, but um, then I met up with Justin, and that was fun. <laughs> and I was worried about my friend, so I was like, "Hey, Justin, here's some here's here's my friend." And we take them. Then home. <laughs> I hung out more. Yeah. yeah. Then I hung out downtown more, and I met up with my other friends. I just kind of randomly saw them. Um, what else did I do? Uh oh. So we were. I was walking my friends home because they were like plastered. And one of my friends sprained her ankle. And so I had to, like, hitchhike. Like, do the little thumb thumb thing outside <laughs> of the mark and get somebody to take us home or to their house. And so then they got dropped off. Yara. And I got to my house. Oh, my God. Do you want to get taken? <laughs> do you just want to be human no. trafficked? Is that- it was a student. It was a, it was a woman. A student woman. Women can be serial woman. killers. <laughs> Okay, I trusted her vibes. Okay. The I, vibes were correct. I trust your vibe checks. That's fine. Carry on. Excellent. Um. So then she took me home and dropped me off, but I forgot my keys at, at my friend's house. <laughs> so I spent two hours outside of my house, and then my friend finally ran me, her, ran me my keys after she was done hanging out with her f- new friend uh. from downtown. 
after after did they she, got she, back when she showed back up. Um, so <laughs> at the point where you got your keys from your friend and their new friend, uh, what time was it? I played. I just had sex on my on Apple Music. Nice. For that. that was like. What time was that? Hold on. Uh, visual reference time. Mm-hmm. 4 a.m. My Oof. God. Just hanging out on the porch. Yeah. I had a little <laughs> porch moment. I had a little... Here, I'll do a visual guide for, for only the Patreon sub- uh, subscribers who are watching this. Rude. You, oh can, you guys... You... It was kind of crazy. Other people can see this too if they want. If they want to subscribe to the Patreon for as little as one dollar a month, where you can get access it to our live show. It was honestly worth it. That is an just, outstanding photo. The one dollar a month was worth it just for that picture you showed us. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, I am, I am in awe of your, of your standards and of what you contribute to UJ's community. You clearly do have that dog in you. You are a legend. Mm-hmm. You raged Thank so you hard. Thank you so much. You raged enough for me. Oh, I almost forgot. I got home and I was like, I was ready to go to bed, but I remembered to like do my entire skincare routine. Oh. Whiten my teeth and like floss, mm. which was crazy. Slay. I am. I was Slay. three for three. Serving. Serving some, some yes. word for the female anatomy. I'm not sure how high <laughs> it went. Serving self-care. Serving self-care. Serve, so yeah, serving self-care. Self-care emperor. Yara. So Yes. And then- the next, I woke up the next day and went to class, and that was Incredible. my night. Incredible. Can I tell you my post no game? Can I tell you my post game travel story? Oh yeah. Everybody likes a travel horror oh, God. story. Are you guys ready mm-hmm. for my travel horror story? It was also the rest of the band's travel horror story, but I guess I did see all of it at firsthand. So, we got up the next day, and we had to load the semi because we put the sousaphones and the drumline in the semi, but kind of just like thrown them in there because it was boring. But we had to load everything, front ensemble, props, sound system, sousaphones, drums, everything, into the semi. And it was a pretty tight fit. So it could drive. I don't even know if it's back. So it could drive back from Los Angeles. And so we got up and left a little bit earlier than the rest of the band in one of the buses. And then the other nine buses were going to meet us at the airport. So we load and we ran past time, which was always going to happen because it's just loading that truck is impossible. Like it, it was just a really big, hard job where it was one of those things where only so many people can be in the truck at one time. So like having more people didn't even really help. You know what I'm saying? So we get it done and we get in the bus and we are on, I believe, 101 and it's raining really hard. And it turns out that Southern California drivers do not drive in the rain at all. And all of their tires are bald because we're driving in the far left lane of the interstate. And this car comes past us to the right, and he starts hydroplaning, and he fishtails, mm-hmm. and then he hydroplanes in front of our bus, but he slammed on his brakes. So when he hydroplanes in front of our bus, he fish, he's going like 10 or 15 miles an hour. And then our bus just like smacks into the back of his car. I mean, like, I thought this guy was dead. Like, the back of his car was just like a crumpled ball of metal. Um, he was okay. Everyone was okay. Uh, we were okay. He was okay. He had clearly been injured, but like he walked out of the car uh, by himself at some point. But so we get in a wreck. And at this point, in the grim irony of all of this was that like we were 10 minutes from the airport. Right. And so we just have to sit on the bus, obviously, because like, you know, the fire department comes and uh, Dr. Athena 
uh, Dr. Thanis, the, the band director who was with us, calls 911. And then the police officer gets on the car and we have to write down our names and our like contact info because we're part of the police report now. And thank God the guy got out okay because I had this moment where I was like, did all of these band members just witness a death? Like a nightmare. But anyway, everyone was okay. It was kind of jarring and it was like really scary. So then we get... It, the, and ironically, and this is how dangerous it is to drive. And so please, if you like service your car and get new tires, if please, if you're going to have a car, uh, like the bus was totally like drivable, had barely any cosmetic damage. And it had just like turned the back of this car into an, an aluminum can, um, like a crushed aluminum can. So we get we, we get to the the airport and we're late. So we have to get out on the tarmac, right? And the rest of the band's already on the tarmac and in the planes waiting for us. But, of course, the people who are going to open the gates for us don't know that we're there or whatever because we were late because we got in a wreck. So we have to sit outside of the gate for like 30 minutes. And then we go into the plane and we get on the plane. And because some people had switched planes because we were so late and they had, we had to get people on the right, you know, as many as we can. They had to, like, redo the manifests of both the planes and get out 230 people's names on every plane, on both planes. Uh, and so we got in the thing and then we sat there for another hour. So we took off and we actually got back in pretty good time. It was like three and a half hours. So we were supposed to get back and land in Atlanta at uh, five. But at this point, we're landing at like 950. Right. Um, local Eastern Standard. So then we get there and the bus we had gotten, we'd gotten a truck to take all of our luggage out from another plane and take it back to Athens. And that truck broke down. So we had to put all of the luggage under the buses, right? But all the luggage was in one of the planes and I was in the other plane. And so we all had to sit on this plane or on the buses for about another hour and a half. And so like, we didn't actually make it back to Athens until about 1145. And that was with a police escort. So anyway, none of that was like any of the Redcoats fault. It was just like a bunch of bad travel things happened and i suspect that part of the reason we had so much trouble with the plane was like the faa stuff that was happening like it started happening the night before uh so i didn't go to sleep till like one and then i got up and went to class yesterday and i was just like unfit to teach humans honestly like i had my plans already made thank god and i was like you guys got to do this because like i can barely keep my eyes open and i'm in such a bad mood and to my students everlasting credit they did it and here i am last night i had eight hours of sleep and i feel like a human again Proud of you. What a wild story. Yeah, yeah it was real. it was like I think part of the my stress, it would probably have been way less stressful if I had I did have like the stress of like like you know, you have like an adrenaline come down whenever and even though it was everyone was okay, I you know, I'm not like a teacher in that capacity, but like I'm kind of fulfilling a teacher role and so like I was like, Oh my god, like anytime one of my students is in danger, I'm like, ah and so like after we got back to the plane, I was just kind of like, uh, like the, the, my, my, my blood chemistry was really, really messed up, you know, at that point. Anyway, do you have anything after the game? Either of you? <laughs> I think we've gone through most of that after the game. We've been doing this for a hot minute. So I we think just, that what we should do, we just want our second natty, man. We can go as long as we want. We we could turn this into a read. I guess we could read true. all of Ulysses. Fine. <laughs> whatever. We could uh, read all of Ulysses and then stay on the recording until people understood James Joyce. That's how. That would be quite some time. 
Mm-hmm. James Joyce has layers. Mm-hmm. He's deep. Mm-hmm. A lot going on. But that's off-season content, you know? Mm-hmm. So you want to do the quantitative <laughs> review? Yeah, we really don't have a lot of quantitative review. Uh, we mentioned before, I mentioned before that these stats made it look very much like a, uh, a game against an FCS team. And that is not, I don't think that says anything about TCU. I think more than anything that says everything about Georgia and how mm-hmm. good this team is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't blame TCU. I would never say from this game that TCU was overrated or didn't deserve to be there or any mm-hmm. of the sort. I just think that Georgia deserved it yeah. way more. I mean, I think <laughs> my, your only, <laughs> my only quantitative assessment of the game is that I think from a program building standpoint, it was very clear to me. And I guess this is qualitative. This is more of a storyline, but I, I think it kind of bears itself out in the quantitative what this total domination really tells me more is less about TCU and more about Georgia in terms of, I think it is the sort of elevator pitch for the program that Kirby smart is trying to build. And a lot of what coaches say, and Kirby smart is no exception to this is sounds like pablum and like coach speak is like a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like it isn't, it's, it's like meaningless words sometimes, but he talks a lot about, you know, composure and steadiness and like, you know, not to use Nick Saban's terms, but like the process, like, you know, winning each day. And it was so clear to me that not only did you, UJ didn't just have better players, like Michigan probably had better players than UGA. Now, not as good as ours, but our better players than TCU did. Right. They're not, not, the gap wasn't as large as against, as against, you know, us against TCU, but still Michigan had better players, but they were not, in a situation where their organization allowed them to be well coached and well prepared and well and well motivated, right? They they were talking about taking apart the three three five and they were talking about bringing the Big Ten to the Big Twelve and then they got smacked in the face, right? And it would have, regardless of what Michigan had done, done, it would have been very easy for that UGA team for this team to come in to this game and not take TCU seriously because they were a better team. Georgia was. They knew they were a better team, mm-hmm. and yet they still treated it with the seriousness it deserved. And like, I get it. It's not hard to get people motivated to win a national championship, but like the number of teams who have failed at the goal line, when it comes to repeating the number of teams who have disappointed in the season after their national championship is multitude. And I thought that, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, if you look at, if you look at the statistical profile of this game, like it is not just a domination of one team over another of, you know, like a higher, a higher number of five stars. It is a, a true statistical beatdown on just about every level. UGA was in the 99th. UGA, in terms of, this is according to to our friends over at at Game on Paper, UGA was in the 90th or above percentile in third down rate, explosive play rate, yards per drop back, EPA per rush, EPA per drop back, yards per play, success rate, EPA per play. They just absolutely took this team apart at the like studs right this was a true like like a demo like we are going to gut this house and redo it from the from the top to the bottom that is what uj did to tcu and like i like i don't i don't know if you can have a better pitch for what kirby is trying to do right like it's not just the five stars it's not just the million assistants it's not just the million analysts it's not just the unlimited budget all of those things allow you to do the last thing, which I think is the most important thing, is that you have the best players in the position where they want to play, right? Mm-hmm. 
more than almost any other time I've seen a Georgia team play, that team looked like they were just out there like a bunch of dogs at a dark park chasing a tennis ball. They didn't always play perfect <laughs> football, but they they played with their fucking hair on fire. And like to me, I it was it was one of the best coaching jobs I've ever seen from statistical and like game planning and schematic everything. Like UGA just dominated that game, and I and it's obvious when you see the score, but I think the score probably undersells the level of ass kicking that it was. Yeah. Just an absolute demolishing. Every time, statistically speaking, every time TCU touched the ball to try and score points, they effectively lost points. Mm -hmm. Every time the offense took the field, every play, Mm -hmm. stats show that they lost points (laughs) by trying, simply trying. They would have had a better time if they quit at some point. So if you kneel down, I think you get about negative 0.4 EPA. And their mm-hmm. EPA on the day per play was negative 0.59. Most of the yep. time, TCU on most plays would have been better to take a knee. Yep. That's just beyond me. It it makes no sense. There's a level I reach sometimes when I'm just so confused about a situation. It doesn't make sense. You can't put the pieces together where I become baffled. That's the level at which I am now. I feel baffled to look at the stats like, of this game. I, I I'll say one more thing. It is true. Like mm-hmm. I, I saw a lot of people on Twitter talking about the whole. There's this old uh, Jimbo Fisher talks about it, but it's it's attributed to Nick Saban, where he says there's a reason that in boxing they don't let middleweights fight heavyweights. And the idea behind that is that like if you just have more talented players, if you have bigger, faster, stronger players, you're going to win most of the time. And that is certainly what happened in this game. But I think that sort of overshadows the more important thing. Was it wasn't just. Like, there have been a lot of teams with bigger, faster, stronger players who didn't go to bowl games. Looking at you, Texas A&M, right? It wasn't just that UGA was better than TCU. TCU is a good, well-coached team. It was that UGA, we Georgia came into the game the more prepared, better coached, more motivated team as the prohibitive yep. favorite for the national championship from day one of the season. And that is that is an incredible coaching job. And yeah, like, does Kirby Smart have more resources than everyone? Yes. But like, there are teams that have as many resources as, as Kirby Smart has, looking at you again, Texas A&M, that have not done jack shit with those resources, right? And and like, mm-hmm. I know that it's, I'm like preaching to the choir, but it's like, this is, that's why this is the golden age right now, man. It's it's not that this team is super talented. UJ's always had super talented teams. It's not that they're well coached. They've always had good coaches. It's that like this team wants to beat your ass into the ground and will do it anywhere, anytime. And that is not something that every team has. And if you want to appreciate anything, if I appreciate anything about what happened this last yesterday, it was that like there there was nothing fluky about that win. And the score doesn't even no. really reflect about how not fluky it was. All right, I'm done. Sorry. <laughs> So we do have a lot of questions from listeners. Oh god. Our very favorite segment. This episode's gonna be like two time. and a half hours long, man. I know. That's what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Go dogs. We um, want two natties. It, 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 it it's the episode that we deserve. This is what we deserve. We've done Facts. this. So let's get through some of these questions. It is, of course, your favorite segment. It's the hashtag AskCBC segment. It's presented by everyone's favorite sugary substance, cheer wines, the wine that gives you diabetes, TMTMTM. TM, TM. 
All right, Ian Bowman asks, cross post from college football. When did you know it was going to be a blowout? I, 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 I can give you a specific play that I haven't talked about yet. TCU okay. had a free rusher off the corner, and Stetson Bennett, NFL blitz, like flipped his hips and ran past this guy who was their best pass rusher for a first down. That was when I was like, okay, mm. when your white law firm named fucking having quarterback, like just dinks someone and runs past them like Michael Vick, then you're going to win. Yeah. Also, the play of um, Darnell Washington just blocking the shit out of that dude as Bowers yeah. runs it down the field. Just like running him down, running him down, running him down. What about yep. you, Yard? Did you have a specific play? When Pentatonix sang the national anthem. <laughs> Stick, it. Stick it to it. <laughs> we have been blessed. Real. That's it. Uh, next question comes from Rick Russell. Can Yara do the ink on Nathan's new tattoo? Or get a tattoo artist to do a copy of the Rage page? <laughs> oh my god. I will like, I will draw up a rage against okay. the machine Can I, for your arm. Everybody is saying I talk big shit about tattoos and I go get, don't get tattoos. I'm going to say this out loud right now. The only limiter to my ability or desire to get a tattoo is money. So if somebody wants to Venmo me the money to get a, a, a UGA tattoo, I will get it tomorrow. The Caesophones want me to get an ass tattoo. Like like an Alpha Sigma Sigma <laughs> tattoo. And I'm like thinking about doing it. And literally the only limiter is money. So anyway, if you want me to get a tattoo... I think- my Venmo is NJL88. And 88 is not like a fashion right. thing. It's because that's my year of birth. NJL88, hit me up. What's the number we got to reach to make born... you go get one? Whoa, wait, pause, rewind. You were born in, in a year that starts with a one? Yeah. Dog. Oh, yeah. And it was an eight? We know you were born in like 2002 or whatever. Yeah, I was. No, but that just seems, that doesn't seem real. That seems like a fake year. Yeah. Yep, 1989 here. You're hanging out with your favorite dads. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound real. I could I could age appropriately <laughs> have put a child in your mother. Gross. Why? Why would you say it like that? Why did I? Did have you just that? make a your mom joke? You did <laughs> in like a in an adult way. I'm just saying like, like a I, weird sciencey way. I could have impregnated your mom, and it wouldn't have been like a federal case or anything. I want to. Th- I want to think about that. I just wow. You made a your mom joke. Wow. Anyway, next question. Send me money. <laughs> <laughs> What's the number we got to reach, though, Nathan? I don't know how much. For you to how say, much, okay, fine. I mean, like, cover the cost of tattoos. I, I don't know, like two, three hundred bucks. Let's do it. There is. I will tell everybody if you hadn't already heard. Pain and Wonder is running a special right now. Um, the G is really cheap. And also any Georgia themed tattoo from I know at least one tattoo artist there is doing it for half off at Pain and Wonder in Athens. Yeah, I so want to keep that in mind. I want to get a Sousa dog. I think would be the first one I would get. But listen, mm-hmm. here's the other thing: if we have enough money to do it, if we get enough donations from listeners or stuff or our Patreon like people just like <laughs> one month boost our subscriptions, Justin and I will get Chapel Bell curb tattoos. Like I, that's correct. Hey, ultimate this two. Is, this is not a bluff. <laughs> I said please. This is not a bluff. Like, I will get a CBC logo tattoo. I mean, it kind of is generically a Georgia logo, so it's like, I I know it's not the bravest thing in the world, but like, I will absolutely do that. Next question comes from Iden Edvedek. (laughs) Has UGA ruined college football? Done in uh, like SpongeBob font. Uh, 
And more seriously, now that we've reached such a high level, is there any way to continue moving up? What does improvement look like from here? Winning another now. There it is. Correct oh. answer. <laughs> Correct answer, Yara. Um, I do think, you know, look, we've talked about it this season already, that I do think earlier, or looking at the schedule for next year, uh, three-peat is very possible. <laughs> uh, Tennessee's only going to get better. South Carolina's only going to get better. But it's very possible. Joel asks again, did Georgia just score again? <laughs> yep. I mean, Georgia's players right now, did just say. get to Athens, so probably. They sure did. They're having a great time, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, another question. Lots of talk about retirement of the great Stetson Bennett, number 13. If we are a truly at the beginning of a dynasty, there could possibly be so many players that we feel this way about. What are your thoughts on retiring his number? Oh, do it. I'd do it tomorrow. I'd do it on Saturday at the championship celebration if I could. There will yep. be a lot of good players, but there will only be a one player who got his two national championships after a 40-year drought in back-to-back seasons. To, like, retire it. I mean, that I'm man should never it. pay for a drink in Athens again. He should never pay for a meal in Athens again. And yeah, is he maybe one day going to be politically, like, you know, embarrassing for us? Possibly, but doesn't matter. Maybe. Not right now. Yeah, practicing self-care is practicing mindfulness. And mindfulness says that we live in the moment. Mm -hmm. We live in the present. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. we let those other thoughts that come yeah. also go. Put it, like, put, retire his number. It doesn't matter. Put it up there. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah, go for it. it. Who cares? Step we got the a lot of the numbers. He Let's start it. doing decimals for all I care. Yeah. Uh, Elpat asks, what's the most embarrassing stat from the game? Uh, usually at a 73% stop rate. 73% of TCU's <laughs> drives were stopped and f f forced into a punt. There's more. I mean, that, that one's really bad. Let's see. Uh... That some of these percentage stats are just like really bad for TCU in terms of just their ability to do anything. 43% of their runs on the day TCU were stopped for a gain of two or less. 17% uh, of their runs were stopped for no gain. That's bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just, they had nothing going on offense. I mean, negative 25.82 total EPA is really bad. Really, really, really bad. Uh, Honestly, uh, what's crazy is, okay, here's here's a stat that's really embarrassing. TCU actually, Georgia actually got lucky on turnovers. TCU uh, had about 13 points of turnover luck, which still would have been the biggest blowout in the history of the college football playoff. Yep. Absolutely insane. Um, got another question for you. Was Kenny McIntosh's 1,300 all-purpose yards the most underrated players stat this year? I mean, yeah, that, I mean, I don't think, I don't think old K-Mac gets enough credit for just being steady and not more than, this sounds like I'm damning him with faint praise, but just like kind of a badass, like just sort of a, like a, <laughs> just like a gamer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I got a question here that is a UGA question. A few other things here. Jeremy Gaston asks, rank the dining halls on campus and provide supporting evidence for each one spot on the list. I think this is big Yara. Energy. I was about to say, I think Yara, I have some opinions about that, but I think Yara has the most definitive, like probably accurate version of this. So Yara, go ahead. Here we go. Hit us. So um, my, my qualifications for giving out this information are that I have been a loyal dining hall customer for the past 
ever since I started at UGA in 2020. Um, <laughs> and and it, it tastes really good. And I like it a lot. So, number one. And this is like an extraordinarily controversial take. Okay. Number one is Bolton. Because, one, it is conveniently located to everywhere mm-hmm. around campus. You're in Terry. Bolton's across the street. You're in, you're like in a freshman dorm. Bolton's down the street. You're at Tate. It's across the street. It's really good. They also have a variety of things. They have like, they have pho, which it, they have really good pho. Um, they have, what else do they have? They have pizza. They have wings. They have pasta. They have burgers that they make in front of you. Yes, they have bun out. Ugh, I love it. Um, what else do they have? They have a really cool salad bar, mm-hmm. and it's well, incredible. Like Their the, desserts the, are amazing. The Taste of Home bar is really good. I like that one, too. Yes. Yeah. Bolton is also my favorite because they have what I would classify as, like, very good mall Chinese food. And I don't yes. mean that as a diss. Yeah. It's like when you want, like, like bad mall Chinese food, like, Bolton has, like, the best version of that. I think it's, it's funny Real. that you said this is controversial, Yara, because I think... There is no question that Bolton's the best dining hall on campus. I think that there. That's a how lot I of people disagree. I think a lot with of people me. like ECB, right? Because ECB does have yeah. this. Yeah. Does ECB still have the smoothie bar? Yeah. They, well, it kind of me. It's not great anymore. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. It's, like, it's hardly a smoothie bar, really. Second, for me, is probably going to be. Hmm. Oh house. Oh house or no house, baby. It's so good. They got they literally like have Chipotle. They have unbranded Chipotle. <laughs> Don't they also have it's like so, the big do they still have the big stir fry thing where they like make your stir fry for you? No. They used to have this giant round think so. flat they top did, where though, they would yeah. like station by station make you stir fry. That bumps me out. Well they they also did that at Bolton for a while, but it switched to the Chinese, mm-hmm. like the other Asian food, I think. Mm-hmm. Which lemongrass kitchen hits. Yeah. Oh my god, they're bok choy. Mm-hmm. Incredible. I will never shut up about Bolton. But okay. So Bolton, O House, third place, probably uh the niche. The yep. niche is it gets third place for me because it's not open long enough. I need them to be open more. Um I really like their food. They make little burger they make like Custom burgers, you tap on the screen and you make your own little custom burger. I always get the brioche buns because they are so good. And you can get (laughs) pasta that they make for you. They have like really specific meals and dishes there that they don't have at all the other dining halls. Mm -hmm. Normally, all the dining halls like coordinate their food and you have the same food everywhere, but like a little bit, a little bit different everywhere you go, (laughs) but mostly the same. Um, Niche is built different. Niche ain't like that oh, yeah. at all. And it's a little far away, but I think the trip is That's worth on it. the health sciences campus, Fourth right? Fourth place. Yep. Yeah, it's so far. Yeah. I have to take the bus there. <laughs> but <laughs> um fourth place do do do. Snowing has fallen. Man, I just I think fourth snelling, actually. Okay. So Snelling is okay. Like I was saying, the all of the dining halls coordinate their their food options. So you have essentially the same like 
same main dish options at all of the dining halls. Mm-hmm. And they, in addition, each dining hall also has its own little, like, specialty. So, like, Bolton has Lemongrass Kitchen, and they have, like, the salad bar, and they have, like, some fun stuff, but their main dish is the same as everywhere else. Gotcha. Snelling, in my opinion, doesn't offer anything else besides that standard dish, and that's why it's fourth to me. I do appreciate the fact that they're open late. It's so much fun to go and celebrate. I love making my little waffle. Um, <laughs> but, like, that doesn't redeem itself enough from being bland in the daytime. And fifth place for me is ECV. I'm not saying that it's bad, but it's just fine. Like, it's it, it's good. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't offer enough of the cool, special, fun things, and it doesn't offer like a very different like, dining yeah. experience, like, like celebrating. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. It's just for like post-workout munchies. That's the vibe, mm. and that is my definitive ranking of every dining hall at UGA. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Great. Next. <laughs> Thanks question. for having us. Kirby's leaked speeches are clearly intentional now that we've had at least three of them come out. Do you think he writes and preps them, or does he let the spirit move through him in an incendiary fashion? Uh, I, I think he definitely preps him, preps them. I've done him. I think he's a very good uh, LPAT on our. LPAT on our Discord was talking about how he's actually a very good rhetorician, and he is. And and I think he is very intentional and he definitely preps i don't think he writes them down i think it's more like a sort of like he has his key points he knows his frame it's more like jazz improv i would say probably Mm -hmm. he might write them down but i don't think he's reading it off of it as it happens that would be my guess that's fair uh speaking of lpat if you had to pick an offensive and defensive mvp but the game is quote being a tender and giving lover who would you pick so I pulled up the, okay. Wait, what are you pulling up? I pulled up yeah, the. I, I, what you're about to say. I pulled up the pictorial version of the UGA depth chart, and I'm just kind of scrolling through it and like, like giving it, giving it, giving it a once over. Oh, okay. Okay. Just see it, see if I see I mean, anybody who has really kind eyes. <laughs> you know, I'm just looking for someone who really like has that like softness of eye that lets me know that they like are an empathetic person who cares about my pleasure. Got that dog in him. Well, would we say that? That tender dog. That tender dog. Never gets old. I have, that, I have some got candidates. That puppy in him. Oh. Okay. Okay. I, I, At least, ooh. Yeah. Now that this is the game where we look and just see the eyes, like. Yeah. Yeah. There's okay. some kind eyes. There's some kind eyes in here. But. I mean, nobody beats a smile in this boy, Nolan Smith, first and foremost. Oh, yeah. Nolan Smith is answer also, one. Real. We don't even have to. And Nolan Smith is the answer. We don't have to go past mm-hmm. that. We oh, we can also, go past it. Mm-hmm. The fact that he stayed, stuck around and served in a captain capacity and stayed on the sidelines and did everything he could to make sure that he was still contributing, I think, is all the information you need. But then you have to look at him right in the face. Okay, and look how sweet you know what's really got kind eyes? Nylon Green. He's, he's hmm. got a very genuine smile. Mm-hmm. All right, so here's some people I have. First of all, Carson Beck. Here's why. Carson Beck kind of looks like the food critic from Ratatouille. 
<laughs> and I feel like when you look like that, you have to like work hard. You All gotta right. bring. You gotta be bringing gotta bring, someone else. Well, I mean, unless someone's like a real ratatouille enthusiast. See, you know? I had the same sort of uh, way of thinking about Braxton Hicks. Okay. Which, if your name is Braxton Hicks, you really have to work hard to earn. Yeah. <laughs> no. Like. Yeah. That's that's to fair. make sure people know that's not what you're about. Yeah. Yeah. To know that your name isn't just Braxton Hicks. Now, here's another. Uh, here's another mm-hmm. answer I have, and I didn't need to look at a picture for this. Uh, Brock Bowers. Now, here's why. Brock Bowers is sort of going, we would say, mid-20s Widow Peak, right? Pretty pretty mm-hmm. high Widow Peak on that boy. And I just... My brother in Christ, that man is balding. Yeah, so I just feel <laughs> like, he is, you actually. know, he, he knows that. and But he's worked through that insecurity, you know what I mean? But he now knows how vulnerable, like, the vulnerability that's important. Another one that I he see- knows what vulnerable is. Yeah, another one. Xavier Truss just has a very playful hairstyle. You know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a hairstyle of a guy who doesn't take himself too seriously. Is, is my thinking. And then my review of this roster has me wondering: When did we get a boy named Denton Shamberger? Because that's a name I like it. Very good. So I'm gonna need you Ooh. all because I have a new I have a new category for this question, which is. Most like mm-hmm. best dive bar hookup definitely goes to Brett Thorson, who just has like the yes. dead eyes of a townie who smokes too many cigarettes. Now, and I know that Brett Thorson is probably just the kind of guy that like doesn't photograph well because I also have dead fish eyes sometimes when I take pictures. Uh, but this picture, he just like he looks like a ser- like a sexy serial killer. <laughs> he does though. Oh no, <laughs> like. And I'm I'm uh, sorry to Brett. He's he's a very good looking man. If, if I've I've put it on the Discord chat, if anybody wants to see what I'm talking about, but he just when it, he looks like he'd be wearing a jean we're gonna jacket. We're going to have to go no into. Shirt. He does though. We're going to have to bring Ben onto the podcast though over the off season because he has a story. We both have a story that I don't remember as clearly as he does about this Australian guy we met downtown who kept trying to plug his Instagram to everybody and we took him home with us because we thought he, he was like, it was like you're playing D and D and he's like an NPC. NPC. You're like, you're like, you're part of the party now. Um, I don't remember his name, but we found him. I think his name was like Jackson bird or something, but he had an Australian accent. He was fantastic. He was visiting. Um, yeah. We'll have to tell that story <laughs> during the off season at some point. Yara, what, what do you think? Uh, I need to think about how I phrase my words, but (laughs) I, so one, I have a crush on Brett Thorson. I think he is so, he is not even that cute, but his like personality. He's very funny. Like, damn. Very funny Twitter. Damn. I would let him hit because he's goofy. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. that's the Mm -hmm. vibe. Okay. Yeah, fair, fair. Um, I also really like his eyes. His, I think his eyes are pretty. His um, crazy eyes? But dead inside, a little. I mean, like, the color is nice. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, not, okay. I'm not debating his attractiveness. <laughs> okay. Uh, who else? This is, this sweet. is... Um, George Vining also is very conventionally attractive. Okay. I think I think I would let him hit not because he is he looks like he is a frat boy so that he has that going for him at least he's going to do great at UGA 
Um, is that like a thing for you though? Yes. Nah. Eh. Yeah, I, I feel like sometimes not really. I feel like sometimes alternative women like they have kind of like a secret frat boy thing occasionally. Mm-hmm. Real. You just gotta be basic yeah. sometimes. You just gotta feel it. Yeah. And it sucks because like. I'll see the most beautiful women in the world, and they're partnered with some like average-looking man. I know. Have you like, ever what are met you my doing? wife? You, you can do better. <laughs> literally, that's Damn. literally the life that I'm living right now. Give yourself more credit. Shit. Yeah, self-love. No, up in I this think page. I am handsome. It's just that, like, my wife is beautiful, and she has the world's most perfect breasts. So, like. <laughs> I, I can't c- compete with that, you know? Anyway, carrying on. Fair enough. <laughs> yes, George anyway. Vining. Um, I, th- I will say George Vining wins for most likely to be an anime character. Kind of has anime main Ooh. character hair. Real. I like that. Real. Nolan Smith also, I feel like he tells the funniest jokes. Like, yeah. I think that man is funny and silly and goofy. Yeah, I think. And I want to hear his jokes. I think Nolan Smith is capable of, like, Making jokes and laughing during sex. Like in a way that doesn't make anybody feel awkward. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Real. Right. I think that's it. I think that's my conclusion to roster analysis. I like it. Thank you. The OG Ryan asks, of course. should all future Georgia QBs be required to get a fade before important games? I mean, so far as I'm concerned. Well, no, but see, actually, Yara, that's no. another yeah. new question, I feel. I don't, I don't, I think it, it wouldn't be authentic. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, St- Quavius worked because it was so out of nowhere. Right? I, it really was. I do think that they should all have to have, like, a sartorial decision that they make when they really are want to turn it on. Or, like, hair decision. Like, mm-hmm. I got a mullet going. <laughs> or, like, I cut this bad boy into Liberty Spikes. You know? Yeah. I had a, had a hair moment. Yeah. It's like breaking up with your old self. You gotta have a hair crisis. Christy and Ryan. <laughs> How does this year's championship feel different to you personally from your last year's one? Just off the top of your head. Yara, hit me. Ooh. I've been talking I've been talking about this for the past like two days consecutively. Okay. This is rent free in my mind. Okay. So I feel like last year was like in the season in general, it was just so much more authentic and genuine because we 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 just kept going. We just kept winning. And then, and this is the important part, we lost. Mm-hmm. And I would not have wanted last season to go any other way. I am happy that we lost because it made our victory, our next two victories all that much more special. Mm-hmm. Like, the national championship was a game because it was it was fun to watch and we didn't know if we were going to win or not. Mm-hmm. Similar to the Peach Bowl, we didn't know if we were going to win or not. I lost hope. I lost so much hope and I was there. Like I was, I literally cried three or four times because I was like, damn, we're about to not go to the natty. And then we did. (laughs) And the natty itself was just, I don't think it was the same. I mean, it's cool that we went and it's cool that we won, but it's not the same because we, at at no point were we in danger of losing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Last year just kind of was super special because we were in danger of losing. We we had to play our asses off, right? And 
that's what made it special. This year was just kind of like, yay. We're we going to stomp on some frogs and win by a lot. Yeah. So that's my take on it. It's still very special because, hey, we did it again. But I don't think it's the same as last year. And I don't think anything can replace what last year means to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Boom. Just spoke some philosophical knowledge. <laughs> Drop that wisdom. Yeah. No, I'll agree <laughs> for all the same reasons. It was uh, It was very special. And I remember regarding it. Like, I didn't let this year's win cheapen last year's win. And what I mean by that is that I remember saying last year, like, I got to do all these things. I got to be downtown. I got to go do this. I got to do this because this might not ever happen in my life ever again. And then jokes on me (laughs) happens the next year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, I guess I was protecting myself this year in a lot of ways because I didn't want to cheapen last year in any way because it was such an important experience and it was, yeah, it just felt bigger in every possible way um not to cheapen this year's either but it was just it was different it was very different (laughs) what about you Nathan? i for me like there was i guess a big personal difference because like because i was having a lot of panic attacks i didn't go to last year's natty and i really thought Mm -hmm. that that would be it you know i think um I really, it was just was so surreal to me to see like, like, I mean, I was like crying after the game last year and I was like, man, like I decided not to go for my own mental health, but like, what if we never go back? Like, what if that was my shot? And so there was a moment where I was like, we, we were like beating the shit out of them. And I was kind of like, well, that was dumb of me to think. Um, but it, mm-hmm. it, it so it felt so fait accompli like it was all it was always going to happen. But I knew that it wasn't always going to happen. It's always hard to win a national title, and like we got lucky to win the Ohio State game, right? And it, it we were lucky mm-hmm. just the game before. So I don't know. It's just a there was so much joy in that first one, like you said, and it was so exuberant. But I felt like this one was so much more like like just a really nice personal sense of like fulfillment for me. In a maybe more subdued way. Mm-hmm. It was like personal growth. It was like, whoa, like I've grown in a year. And what a nice reward <laughs> for me. I don't have anything to do with them winning a game, but what a nice reward for me for like putting the work in it myself, you know? That's a good point. Yeah, it was a good Period. point of reference, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. So we have a, a, a whole slew of extra questions from public listeners, public versus Patreon. Very first one comes from <laughs> at my Mark Castleberry. Redcoats were sensational. Seems like we had a sped up version of one of the defensive tunes. Can you talk about any special preparations slash tunes from the band? Yeah, so we played the we played another version of the DSRA. So we have like three versions of Choker that we call the DSRA. One of them is short choker, which is like force choke gesture. And that one's just like one time through DSRA. We added that for Tennessee because they move so fast. One of them is the second one is normal choker, which is like the just like thing you hear with the held note at the end. And then we added one that was a clip from our first show, which was like championship playlist last year or this year uh, that has it finishes out the DSRA theme from Symphony Fantastique, which is this Berlio piece. And then it goes into sort of like this big resolved major chord. And that's the two hands on the, the throat choker. You know, mm-hmm. special preparations, like we added some stuff in. We added in a different, 
we kind of cleaned up some stuff on the defensive cheer stuff and just tried to kind of tune up the stance tune stuff. I mean, honestly, like a lot of it's interesting because we did practice while we were out there, but so much of the work on a trip like this is logistical. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's not that the performance takes care of, it's care of itself. I, I don't want to demean the work that the kids put in, but it, you know, they could always, they didn't need to do anything different to be good enough for this moment. Right. The things that we really had to do different were like all of the stuff that goes into getting 500 people to California safely and then back safely. Next question. What are your recommendations for someone whose alma mater won one natty and current employer slash band won the other? Should I play the lottery or just be content? This comes from JW Conductor. So this is my buddy Jake, who was a he was a TA when I was in band, and now he is the head coach or the head he's the band director. I think he might be the athletic band director. I'm sorry, Jake, if I got your title wrong. He's the band director of the Pride of South Dakota marching band of South Dakota State's band who just won a national title at the FCS level over their hated rival, North Dakota state. Uh, yeah. Jake, mm-hmm. go ahead and just like put a couple of, put a couple of mega millions tickets in, I would say at this point, like, and he won, he <laughs> won ahead, two dog. national titles, one of which he was on the field for in 48 hours. And also his band performed really well at the Macy's day parade this year. So like whatever, oh. man, like put, put in what's the, what's the biggest jackpot in the, in the nation. Go ahead and buy a couple of tickets. Powerball, baby. Uh, Cowboy McPoyle, how am I going to explain to my grandchildren how I doubted Stetson Bennett the fourth without them immediately putting me in a home? Well, you can't. Uh, Cowboy McPoyle, I'm hoping that <laughs> for some of us that this is the embarrassing thing we have to cover up instead of some sort of like horrible racist secret or like past crime that we all have to cover up how we thought Stetson Bennett maybe wasn't good enough. But the real answer here is don't have children. <laughs> real okay <laughs> then you can avoid all of well, this. that was some real fucking gen z energy from you <laughs> yeah no children means no grandchildren uh at least i i think that's how that works i've never had children so who can say uh f-u-t underscore a-s-t foot asked <laughs> how do you feel about the monk and long con theory i mean yeah i don't know what we that are means. proponents of the monk and long con theory and have been for several years mm-hmm. in here in, in this podcast, I, I think the the Chekhov's gun offense. Yes, what that means, Yara, is the idea that like, yeah, intentionally the playbook is sort of smaller than it has to be for UGA's regular season games because they're saving stuff for the national title because UGA ran mm-hmm. plays against uh-huh. TCU that they had not run the entire year. Oh wow! Okay, and there's still stuff uh-huh. left in the playbook, yeah, which is what people have said. Uh, players have said that we didn't even see at wow cool tweets two years ago the only thing our rivals could hang over us was 1980 that's now been squashed into eternity as the dogs become the fourth team since 1990 to go back to back doing so in dominant fashion so my question is what are they gonna say now (laughs) that we should not have won because we have a 25 year old quarterback i've seen that everywhere yeah it's like rent free on twitter Mm -hmm. and like Okay. I mean that, and then like the and? thing, how Marvin Harrison Jr. got injured, and then Jamison Williams got injured last eh. year. But honestly, like you could show them the injury list for Georgia. Yeah. Also, you only have to say "die mad, you salty bitch." Die mad. Facts. Exactly. Let them know. Mm. Uh, 
CS, ATL dog, outside R2 and SP plus, what data sites do y'all find yourself utilizing the most? Pretty good. Sports reference has your more traditional data points. That's just like sports.reference uh, uh, forward slash CFB. It has a lot more like traditional stuff, but if you ever just need to check, like they've got SRS on there, they've got civil rating system, they've got just basic player counting stats, which, and they're in a really nice format that can be exported because a lot of times like basic players counting stats are just like on pages with like a lot of ads and autoplaying videos and stuff. So if you just need like basic statistics, I would go to sports or sports reference.com forward slash CFB. And then if you need like deep play by play data, CFB data, and then visualizations, BCF toys is really good. And then for box scores, I use game on paper.com. And I think it's, it's game on paper.com forward slash CFB. And they have a historical archive of advanced box scores, sort of a la what Bill Colony does on Twitter. A little bit different stuff, but they have uh, they have some really good stats on there, and it's very well visualized in a way that's like easy to export, easy to look at, easy to scrape. Let's see. I think those are the big ones right now for me. Mm-hmm. We got them. I think you got them all. <laughs> uh <laughs> Next question, Jake Sullins. I'd really like to hear y'all talk about receivers returning in transfers and tight ends for next year. I feel like this is uh, maybe this an is super off-season question, right? I, I think so, too. And and what we'll end up doing with this, I think, is is something Bill Connolly said um, when he was explaining the five factors back in the day was that one of the most contributing, one of the greatest indicators that you will have contributing or year-to-year success is your uh, offensive production on offensive uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like returning offensive uh, players, specifically receivers. And so I think there's a lot more to say about that. And we should save that question for a, a larger offseason episode for sure. So thank you for that, Jake. Brohamp asks, what play can you not stop watching? And why is it Darnell blocking down the sidelines for Brock? That was my play. Uh, what about y'all? Is there any other plays that we haven't really mentioned that uh, or that you want to mention again? I, that you really loved? The touchdown to Lad McConkey was really great because he was so open and if the safety had rotated he was gonna the other guy was gonna be open going on the other sideline and the the actually the the ad mitchell touchdown happened like right in front of me so that's probably the one that i can't mm. stop thinking about and yours was the yep. pentatonics play <laughs> when they played yes y'all took all the y'all took all the good plays all the good plays this are gone is... <laughs> No. There were a lot of good plays. I mean, there was a lot more okay. in that. There were a lot of good plays mm-hmm. there. You're right. Um, this is a great ending question. This is going to be the question we go out on. The question is from The Klein. It's The Klein. Um, Spike Squad questions. Yara, did you ever consider joining the Spike Squad? Dude, literally, yes. I actually auditioned. Like, really? At the beginning of this semester. And I didn't get in. Uh. But it's okay. It's all right. Look at you I now. love Spike Squad so much. Yeah. Now I'm podcasting, which is, <laughs> in my opinion, cool. It's but cool. I no, – no bad blood towards Spike Squad. I love them so much. I think they are very cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Second part of this question, Justin, Nathan, would you have done it in your time? I – no. I would not have. And no disrespect. <laughs> I just am not on the day – I'm not like a real demonstrative yeller of a fan. And anytime I have ever been a demonstrative yeller of a fan, I've said things that I later come to regret. And mm-hmm. I think even 20 year old Nathan knew enough that like, I shouldn't put knew that like, I shouldn't put myself in a position where people are asking me 
to act like an asshole because I'm really good at it. Whereas I think the Spike Squad are made up of people who are just sort of like uh, cosplaying as assholes, you know, like they're they're actually nice people. Mm-hmm. And that's that's good. That's what they should be. Right. Because they, they know they know where the line is. I know myself well enough to know that I either need to be like silent and occasionally yell on defensive cheers uh, or I need to like just not make it like not make any noise at all. What about you? We do have a former Spike Squad on the Discord as we well. We do, yeah. That could be another off-season episode. Yeah. Um, I would I would also have not have done it myself. I was a theater kid, um, did some theater. I am very much extroverted. However, not this kind of extroverted, I would say. It is very... In some way, it just has a different vibe to me, and I can't fully explain it. It probably has to do with I want to be the center of attention, but I didn't want to say that out loud, and now I have, so <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um, but yeah. Rewind. You were a theater kid? Oh, yes. Is that surprising? No, it actually, that tracks, mm-hmm. I think. But that's cool. I also like don't know that <laughs> I'm like I don't know that I'm like body positive enough to do Spike Squad for myself. Like I wish I was healthier in my own, you know, like perception of my body. Yeah, I think you got a good bod. Word. Like the bod, good broad shoulders. Yeah. I was not a theater kid. So think- body positivity. By the way, yeah, it wouldn't have made much sense for you to be a theater kid. You would have been like a product, like tech crew, Nathan. I just don't. That makes more sense to me. Can I tell you guys something? That's just mm-hmm. a shameful secret. I don't Uh-oh. really like. This is a safe space. I don't really like musicals. Huh? I think that usually. <laughs> <laughs> Someone just left immediately after you said that. I know that's not why they left, but it was a very funny okay. moment. <laughs> I, I, and I have I thought a lot about why this is. Every genre has its own sort of like rhetorical and structural language, right? And this is true in, in especially in like niche genres where like podcasts, there's certain ways that most podcasts are organized. And when you listen to one podcast, you kind of listen to them all and you know what you're expecting. And musicals are the same way. And mm-hmm. I just don't speak that language very well. Like, it just does not do anything for me. I also think another problem I have is that the uh, arrangement of musical scores, and in and, and particular, the voicing tends to be very thin for a reason, right? You can't have too many parts underneath a singer or it overshadows the singer. Mm-hmm. But since I come from a brass band tradition, like, and, and a wind band tradition, I really value scores that are like very thick musically. I value like a lot of notes happening in different voices all at the same time. And in musical school in, in musicals, you get that from the chorus and from the different parts of the song parts interacting, but like it always feels very thin to me. And I know that that's not like accurate mm-hmm. or real, but that's just like my perspective, I guess. I really hope Abby that's doesn't the hear this part. That I get. Because she'll be sad. I've been, I've been very musical this episode Abby, I'm with sorry. Um, all of my song references. All right. Uh, final question to this question is about the Spike Squad. This is a Yara question. What is the overall campus vibe about the Spike Squad? And um, if there was a teen movie lunchroom montage speech, what would they say about the Spike Squad? And I, I like the idea of like setting the scene for this. <laughs> like um, Yara is a trans, like Yara is wandering around campus showing a transfer student what there is to see at Bolton and is like, there's the goths. There's the like 
the influencer table. Um, actually, I'm making stuff up. I want to pitch this to Yara and say, what are the like Gen Z clicks now that would be in a teen movie lunchroom montage speech? Oh God, I am not the person asked no? this to. Um, <laughs> I, I, it actually might be um, me that is the person asked this to. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You do hang out with a lot of high schoolers. Yeah. But what? Let's let's take this one step at a time. What is the overall campus vibe about the Spike Squad at this point? Um. So, I will say that I admittedly don't know a lot about the vibes of most click clicks groups on UGA's campus. I'm very I I kind of keep to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not as loud as I am on this podcast. I'll say that's fair. Uh, but I think. In my opinion, Spike Squad's really cool. Like, I like, I really like their online presence. I really like their, like, IRL presence. I have a few friends on there. And I think they're neat. I really, really like them. Um, again, no, no bad blood about all of that. I think that they provide a really good, um, like, fan. I think they provide a, an essential part mm-hmm. to game day. They are the they are the loud and proud fans in the front, and it's cool that it's like all students. So that's my take. Now, Nathan, the follow up to that is: if this were a teen movie lunchroom montage squad or speech, what would you say about the Spike Squad? And I'd love for you to tell us in a way that's like, now you are showing Yara then <laughs> as the transfer student. You're like walking into Bolton. Uh, everyone's getting their stuff. I, I People are carrying too many plates. And you're like, there's this one, there's this one, there's this one. All right, I'm going to use like high school clicks because I don't really know what UGA mm-hmm. clicks are. I mean, I know in UGA you still have like sort of your, in, it, it's not just like Greek life, but inside of Greek life, you have like sort of your Lululemon Greek life and your, um, you know, your, your uh, what's it? Martha's Vineyard Greek life kind of thing. And there's sort of like <laughs> subsects, but it, Vineyard Vines. It, you have like, in in commerce you have like your yeehaw and your yees you know those are two separate groups right uh your yeehaws okay. are more you're like uh they've got like a spit cup in the car and they are probably sort of like performatively rednecks and your yees are sort of what i would say are sort of like uh rednecks but with a little bit more culture from outside of jackson county kind of blended in Way very likely to listen to SoundCloud rappers, I would say, is like a really <laughs> or or just like be really into like a really bad rapper who's almost like bad on purpose. Those are your yees. Mm-hmm. And then you've got uh, sort of what I would define as the play Super Smash Brothers at the lunch table group. And that's its own sort of bespoke group. Lots of zip up hoodies there. Lots of sort of uh, like I have a larger bag because I'm carrying video game supplies kind of. This is where you see your weebs <laughs> and your otakus live. Anyone who's sort of like uh, having their pre-furry temptation is in this section. Um, then you've got your distinctive athletic groups. So like the wrestlers at Commerce are their own group. Then you've got your softball girls. And then you've got the crossover of people who do softball and basketball. And then you have a separate mm-hmm. thing that's like basketball cheer and then also competitive cheer. And those two don't like each other sometimes. And then you have sort of above all of that, sort of like the academic cross section. So you've got your, you've got your sort of like um, proud of being bad at school folks. You've got your ashamed of being bad at school folks. You've got your uh, sort of ruthlessly hyper competent students are often together because they have a lot of the same classes together, and they those can come from any clique. 
but they have a sort of um a combination of emotional maturity but also maybe a little they're a little patronizing that the rest of their stu- their student body doesn't have then you've got the band dorks just recklessly embarrassing themselves at all times uh cl- followed closely by the theater dorks who are also recklessly embarrassing themselves at all time it's like a competition to see who can be the cringiest uh and later regret it in their 30s let's see I mean, but the core yeehaw versus yee-yee, that's pretty much every male student. And then in, the only people who aren't in that. So then you have like, out, you have sort of like this federated states of like city states that kind of band together. And that's like your weebs, your, um, your sort of like <laughs> rainbow coalition, your uh, video game guys, your dudes who are really into like painting models or like really into like one weird TV show, they tend to sort of, they've glommed together for like more bargaining power. Like there are a bunch of city States that have formed a confederated Republic. Um, so anyway, I think spike squad is definitely in your, <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> spike squad is definitely your, in your sort of like, I would say a weird uh, alliance of both former theater kids who sort of like are running away from their cringy high school past. And then also like you're like in a good way, jockey kids, like people who stopped playing sports after high school, but don't think they peaked after high school, but are still very interested in sports in like a healthy way. I've only had really good mm-hmm. experiences with, with spike squad. Like they, they tend to really like the red coats and I dig, uh, I dig the, that their support of the Redcoats. Like, but I, I think yeah. they are a weird meld of dorks running away from their past and like people who play I am football, but like in a healthy way. Like people who haven't been okay. kicked out of intramural football games. <laughs> I can dig it. Well, guys, that has been a very big episode of Chapel Bell. <laughs> two hours, baby. If <laughs> you're still here, you're hours. a ride or die bitch, and we love you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, who wants to see us out? Do we give Yara the, Yara, do the it. pleasure of doing Yara, that as well? You're so powerful. Do it. Oh, boy. Okay, here we go. Dramatic hair flip. <laughs> this has been Chapel Velker. You can find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you specifically get your podcasts. Or on our link tree that I made. Uh, Linktree.com forward slash Chapel Velker. Get in touch with us, get in touch with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching Chapel Bell Curve by email at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com or our personal Twitters if you want to get funky with it. Okay. Um you can su- you can support the show in three ways telling a friend about us, leaving a rating or a review on a podcast app of your choice, or financially through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash chapelbellcurve, where you can get bonus behind the scenes content and access to our Discord. And you get to see, and you get to hear more of me. And I personally, I think that's the greatest reward of subscribing <laughs> to the Patreon. Uh, you can catch us in Athens this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And for and the foreseeable future. Nowhere else. Yeah, for, for the rest of the off season. And until then. Go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs>